Hello, this is Sophia, and welcome to Why We Can't Have Nice Things. This is episode two, the part two, to a two-episode topic about racism. This episode, we're going to cover racism in more recent years leading up to this year, and some news stories that have been quite prevalent this year and last. As a reminder, this episode does relate to the previous one, so I I encourage you to listen to that one first. We reviewed history from a racial lens last episode. However, racism is still very prevalent in today's times, just in different ways. A big, big way that it is still prevalent, racism that is, is in African-American women's health care, or just in African-American health care itself. There is so much neglect of the treatment of African-Americans that it's astounding. U.S. News reported on the Center of Social Disparities in Health director, Dr. Paula's Paula Braveman's report that black women are 1.6 more times likely than white women to give premature births classified as three weeks or more from the due date, give birth maturely. But Braveman cites racism as the cause. Experiencing racism can be a, a huge stressor for heavily pregnant women, causing them to go into premature labor. And the implicit bias and racial bias of medical professionals is amazingly astounding. Horrifically astounding, more like. A 2016 study by Proceeding of the National Academy of Sciences of the United States of America found that white medical students believe that African-American patients, and they wrongly assumed, had a higher pain tolerance compared to white patients. They use misconceptions to justify their assumptions, such as black people have thicker skin or less sensitive nerve endings. People still believe these medical myths. This is still being perpetrated today. And that is, 2016 was only five years ago, almost six years ago. And people are going into the medical field still believing this and still using these medical myths to misdiagnose and neglect African-American patients. We've also found that in healthcare education, there's discrimination leading to less people of color to enter the field of work in general. From St. Kate Education, recent, a recent Cigna study um, found higher rates of cancer, diabetes, childhood obesity, and heart disease among Black Americans linked to lack of economic resources, limited access to health care, and health care delays compared to white Americans. Black Americans also seem to pass away prematurely 
compared to white Americans when looking at diseases such as diabetes, stroke, hypertension, and now, more recently, COVID-19. Another factor is newborns that I want to talk about in healthcare. Black newborns die 250% more often than white newborns in the U.S. 250%. Black mothers are at least three times more likely than white mothers to die in childbirth due to childbirth complications. And predominantly black zip codes are 67% more likely than other zip codes to lack the proper number of primary care physicians, says a 2012 study. I also wanted to touch down on the subject of police discrimination and brutality as well as bias. Black men are 2.5 times more likely to be killed by law enforcement than white men. Before George Floyd, before Breonna Taylor, and before Elijah McClain, God rest their souls, and so many other senseless acts of brutality, I want to highlight the Los Los Angeles riots in 1992 after Rodney King, a black African-American, L.A. native, was tased by four separate LAPD officers and severely beaten by them after allegedly resisting arrest after speeding. The justice system as well is absolutely, totally rigged against African Americans. Via the census sentencingproject.org African Americans are 5.9 times more likely to be incarcerated than white Americans to quote two distinct justice systems one for wealthy people and one for poor people and people of color they say criminal law is colorblind It's absolutely colorblind, which Rothenberg, if you remember from our first episode, calls that the new racism. Colorblind defined as in everyone in is everyone really equal by Sensoi and D'Angelo is the belief that pretending that we don't notice race will end or already has ended racism, which is just entirely false. More than one in four people arrested for drug law violations in 2015 were black, although drug rates do not change substantially by race and ethnicity. African Americans were also incarcerated in local jails at a rate 3.5 times higher than that of non-Hispanic whites in 2016. Of the 277,000 in-prison people nationwide on drug charges, 56% 
are either African American or Latino. 48% of the 206,000 people serving life and virtual life prison sentences are African American. There's also a biased use of discretion. Prosecutors are more likely to charge people of color with crimes that carry heavier sentences than whites. And they're also more likely to charge people of color with habitual offender laws. Drug-free school zone laws are also disproportionately in communities largely populated by Latino and African Americans. Discretionary parole is also a harder process for people of color, along with the racial bias of the correctional officers who are in control of that or can at least influence it. So now that we've talked about the justice system and the healthcare system, I want to talk about what's going on in the news recently that's really heavily prevalent in racism today. And I want to talk about George Floyd. Back in 2020, May 25th to be um, precise, Mr. Floyd was arrested in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for allegedly using a counterfeit $20 bill at a convenience store. Less than 20 minutes later, Mr. Floyd was unresponsive on the ground and under three police officers, one of which having his knee on Floyd's neck, restricting his air. He stated to the police and onlookers who were recording that he couldn't breathe. Recently, Derek Chauvin, the officer who had his knee on Floyd's neck, was sentenced to 22 and a half years in prison. All four officers involved were fired the day after the incident. And when I say incident, I mean murder. The other three officers involved will have a trial to get their jury selected in 2022, according to the Hennepin County Court. Another prominent case in the news was Ahmad Arbery's murder trial. Mr. Arbery was murdered by three men while jogging near his home. A suspicious call made moments before the three men started chasing Arbery was made to 911, claiming a black man was in a house currently in construction. Gregory McMichael, a former um, police officer for that county, his son and a neighbor armed with a shotgun, chased after Arbery in a pickup truck. McMichael, the father, stated that Arbery attacked his son, grabbing the shotgun, and out of his defense, his son shot him. There was no arrest for over two months. McMichael was a former investigator for the DA's local office and a police officer, and during the trial, they stated that Georgia was open carry, and it was actually right of them to defend um, their neighborhood. That's what the prosecutors, well, that's what the defense was trying to say.
There was actually a handgun involved as well. However, it was not used. Arbery was unarmed. In my opinion, they used stereotyping of a black person and their privilege to enact a sick and twisted hunt on an innocent man. They used generalization racism and ultimately created and cultivated a hate crime that felt like a modern-day lynching because of the color of his skin. All three men were found guilty of murdering Mr. Arbery. Travis McMichael, the son, on all counts, Gregory McMichael was not guilty of malice murder, but guilty on all other counts, eight of them. And William Bryan Jr. was found guilty of three charges, one of which did not include malice murder. Attorneys stated that they will appeal, all three will, and try to reverse the sentencing. The date for their sentencing is unclear. Prosecutors plan to seek sentences of life in prison without the possibility of a parole. Like I said, the attorneys and defense stated that all three men will appeal. I just want to make some additional notes um, from this episode and this previous episode that voter suppression is still very much a real thing with current voter ID laws, voter purges, and voter caging. It's just more subtle. And voter purges are the practice of removing names from the registered voters list, and voter caging is the practice of sending mail to registered voters and challenging their eligibility to vote if the mail is undeliverable. And I just want to briefly touch down on this because... Not only is that showing um, discrimination to poverty um, under the poverty line people um, and populations that maybe don't have permanent addresses that they can have mail sent to, it's also just indiscriminately influencing all voting Um on levels that I can't even begin to imagine affect our everyday politics. And I want to talk more about colorblindness because everybody talks about how they don't see color anymore and that is such a microaggression leading to colorblindness and I just want to say that people should acknowledge the difference of color and race because you might have more privilege than other people and you can't you can't disarm that from your knowledge because if you disarm that from your knowledge then you might take advantage of the fact that you have more privilege and you don't acknowledge that on a daily basis as a white woman myself i know i have more privilege than a black woman. As a white man, he should know he has more privilege than a black man. And I feel that it's very important to acknowledge the differences and to see what we can improve in daily life because of those differences for people who are less fortunate.
and less privileged. So racism might be a little bit more hidden. And by hidden, I mean not glaringly obvious through laws. But it is behind that thinly veiled curtain that I was talking about earlier. And it's still there. And it's still thriving, sadly. The Ku Klux Klan is still out there. Still doing things and creating manifestos. There are other organizations who claim racism as a belief and a way of life. And there are so many racial disparities that there needs to be way more change in society from a systemic level, a personal level, and an internal level. Tune in for the next episode for an honest talk on sexism. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful day.